You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Say wow. Wow. I don't know why that feels good. It just feels good to say wow. Mm. I just think I, I never want to be more impressed with my problems than I am with Jesus. And it's hard sometimes. It really is. I mean, for being honest, it's really easy to be more impressed with our problems than it is with Jesus. But when I'm more impressed with Jesus, my problems are, how shall we say, maybe not as bad as I think they are. Mm. Yeah, we got a testimony this morning. Anybody want to hear a testimony? We have, I'll give you context. Come on up here, Christiana. We, um, we just started, I think this was the second time we're taking our second year OSSM students to do a little bar ministry, and it's, uh, it's a pretty amazing thing. It's uh, going out there and just encountering people specifically in bars, because people are usually in there looking for fun, enjoyment, and community, and we just bring the right atmosphere. So we have a great testimony from that. So Christiana, why don't you share that with us? So this, this last Friday, so we had Dave, David, and Courtney, and I <laughs> went to uh, a bar, and we are walking around, and I just, as, as I'm walking... Um, I, uh, I'm about to pass a lady when I just turn to her and say, you have a beautiful smile. And she just looks at me like I gave her the compliment of her life. So I'm like, okay, God, this is obviously our contact for the night. So we start talking with her, and Courtney joins me, and, we, and her friend joins us. So we start this conversation, the four of us, the four ladies here. And, um, and I just, we both start giving them words of encouragement, words of knowledge that we feel God has given us to give to them. And as we're doing this, um, I'm just asking Holy Spirit, is there pain in the body that we can, you know, address? And I feel Holy Spirit say, ask her about her neck and her back, her lower back. And so I do. And she just looks at me like, oh, my God. <laughs> and she's like, I, my neck is broken in four places. Oh and she told me afterward that she didn't want to get surgery on it. So I was like, well, do you mind if I pray for this for you? And, and she says, yeah, go ahead. So we pray. And, um, and she didn't f- feel like it was completely healed, but she said, my shoulders have gone down. I'm relaxed. Come on. I feel less tension. Um, and so we just keep talking. We keep giving words of encouragement, words of, and um, by, by the time we leave, they asked us, you know, can we contact you? We, we feel that we've been discussing it between the two of us, and we want to keep in contact with you too. We want to develop this relationship. Come on. So we're like, sure, that's great. And as we're leaving, Courtney told me afterwards that um, the first lady that, that, spoke, that I spoke to, she says to her, you know, we've been preached at a long time. Wow. Many people preach at us, wow. but you two actually preached to us. Mm-hmm. So I just... Come on, that's a good word. That's a good word. Thank you, Christiana. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Man, I love, I love... I just love the culture shift God is bringing to the church in general. I think, I think we're slowly waking up to it and starting to realize that real ministry is not done by standing there telling someone what to do. Amen. Real ministry is done by just partnering with them, connecting with them where they are, listening to Holy Spirit, and just bringing life, yeah. right? When did we get it all turned around? We started making life about right and wrong, and it's always been about life and death. Come on. It's always been about life and death, and we make it about right and wrong. It's always about life and death. Oh, Jesus, yeah, all right. Well, I, I was struggling a little bit coming in here this morning, even last night, just wondering, man, God wants to heal people still. He just still wants to heal people right now even. I'm just feeling this wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, they're getting it. Sometimes God comes on you and you just can't handle it. When it gets like that, instead of crying out for more God, that's when we start going, less God, less God, less God. <laughs> oh, no, I just really feel like there's just something God really wants to heal, but I, I, I'm going to hold on to that because I've, I don't know what it's going to look like. I just feel like God really wants to continue to heal, and it's a full body healing. It's, a, it's not a partial. It's a full body healing, and I'm talking your physical body and your emotional. It's all the way through. I really feel like there's something on that this morning. But I, I feel like there's a teaching that God has given me. And I, once I realized this was more a teaching this morning than a revelatory message, I started to connect with what Holy Spirit was saying. So you guys, can you just fasten your seatbelts? 
and run with me in this and just I'm going to go through this but it's ultimately coming to a point where we're going to activate you and and you're going to you're going to discover a whole new way of leaving Amen. leaving this room and I'm not I can't even put my words together what I'm picturing is everybody's leaving this room and you're discovering an entirely new way of connecting with God that's going to transform your life yeah, I can say that, not because I'm that good, but because Holy Spirit's all over that. Yeah. You're going to find a way to connect with God in such a way that when you leave this room, it's going to transform your life because you think different. It started this morning in worship. I just feel like this is an extension of it. Yeah. You know, here we are. I started with this. Here we are in this season where we're celebrating the advent of Jesus Christ, the advent of God himself into this planet. Prophesied in Isaiah... Seven. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. And then we hear it again in the New Testament when you get to the angel coming to Joseph. You remember when Joseph, he was like, what's up? What's up, Mary? Dude, this is wrong. <laughs> this ain't cool. Angel has to show up and convince him, saying, no, this thing right here, this is Holy Spirit. And even said to him there, he's Emmanuel, he's God with us. I like this story. I like the Christmas story because it's it's... It's such a beautiful reminder for us all, and we all love it, especially when we get to the season. But I really think if we go through this season and really access what it means to have God with us, I mean, you've, hear, you've heard me talk about the last few weeks, your, your presence that wraps around me all the time, this God always present, always there. I can find out where he is in any given moment and see what he's doing in any given moment. What would it look like if instead of just enjoying Christmas season as Emmanuel, joy, peace, but I get a hold of that, what it means to have Emmanuel, God, with me. The good news is he came and he never left us orphans. He never left, left, us, left us as orphans. You remember when the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah six months before he goes to Mary? He comes to Zechariah and he says, you know that thing you've been praying for so long? The thing you've been desiring? Literally that word, if you really translate it accurately, it would say that thing you've been praying for that you've stopped praying about and you've forgotten about, God is now answering it. Come on, doesn't that feel good? How many of you have stopped praying for things because you just thought God didn't answer it, but God is actually hearing that? Amen. The thing you stopped praying for, that you think God didn't answer, he's actually answering that thing. I still, in other words, God is saying, I always hear that prayer over and over and over again. He comes to Zachariah and he says, hey, guess what? Your wife, Elizabeth, baby coming. He hears the word and he says to Gabriel, the angel, I love this. He says to Gabriel, uh, can you give me some kind of proof? <laughs> give me some kind of proof that this is going to happen. And Gabriel responds and he says, I'm the angel that stands next to God. And I'm standing here right in front of you right now and telling you this. Like, what do you need? I mean, come on. I'm like 12 feet tall and twice as big as any human. And you're wondering, oh, I need a sign. <laughs> I need a sign. I don't know. Anybody ever in here ever seen angels? I think I've seen angels in different, different forms and stuff like this. And I, you know, Every time I see one, though, they're bigger than humans. They're just bigger than humans. And it's like, here's Gabriel, the archangel of God. Dude, I'm standing right here. And because you didn't receive the word of God, I'm going to make you mute <laughs> and not here. Same angel shows up to Mary. Guess what? Holy Spirit's coming over you. You're going to bring God into the, into the planet. And she's standing there with a different attitude. She's still wondering, going, I don't, what? This doesn't make sense. How can this possibly be? I've never been with a man. But then she changes her thinking, and she says, whatever it is, God, just go ahead and do what it is you want to do. What if we were to have that kind of trust with God? Saying, when God says, I want to be Emmanuel, God, with you, what would happen if we actually said, I'll take it. I don't understand it, but I'll take it. I don't know how many times I've been in positions like that where God's saying something and I go, I don't understand this. I don't get this. But if it requires God, if God is required to show up by me understanding what he's doing, he's never going to show up. Hello? Again, he gives peace that passes all understanding, which means if you want to access that kind of peace, then you have to be able to let it go beyond your own understanding. You have to trust that it can go, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. 
I have to let it go beyond what I can understand. If I want peace that goes beyond understanding, then I have to stop trying to understand it and just let it happen. Come on, that's a good word. God with us. What would it look like if we really understood it? Hmm. I think the significance of God with us is still trying to be understood today. It really is the heart of the gospel messages that we preach. God became man, took on all the sin of the world, the sickness of the world, dealt with it, changed ownership of who we belong to, bought us back, and said, not only did I do all this stuff, but I'm bringing you into me and me into you. You remember that, John 17, that prayer? That they would be in me and I would be in you like we've been together. Guys, I think that prayer got answered. Come on, hold your hands out like this for a second. I think that prayer got answered, that we're not waiting for John 17 to happen. It happened. It happened. Come on, Holy Spirit, just drop that in our laps for a little bit. It happened, yeah. We're still trying to figure this one out. I don't know. Just stay there with your hands like that. I'm going to keep talking. But The strongest aspect we have of this God with us comes, I believe, in the form of what Jesus taught us to pray when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That whole part of that prayer right there, that's the strongest aspect of us learning to live with God with us. Let me explain. Matthew 6, 9, and 10. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. It says, here's Jesus talking. By the way, we call this the Lord's Prayer just for the sake of our, just for the, we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's not really the Lord's Prayer. Because the Lord wouldn't pray this. He didn't need to be forgiven sins. This is the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. If you want the Lord's Prayer, go to John 17. That was actually the Lord's Prayer. Okay. All right, some of that will sink in tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> He says, pray like this, our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms. Now listen to this. Our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We think when we, the old school way of praying that, it's really a little disappointing because it's almost like we're begging God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's almost like we're begging God to do something, but we don't fully understand the theological ramifications of that. I, I, it was like, I think it was back in 2011, God gave me a profound revelation of what it meant to pray this prayer. I was reading Ephesians 2, and, I came, and it just hit me. I've been praying the Lord's Prayer wrong my entire life. Because Ephesians 2 says that I'm seated with him in heavenly places. And so if I'm seated with him in heavenly places and the true reality of my person, my, my life, everything that where I exist, the true life that I have, you seated with him in heavenly places, then I don't need to pray, our Father who art in heaven, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I need to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, I'm not begging God, I'm brokering. And that's the position he's put us in with this prayer. He's put us in a position to say, I want you to declare to the entire world that Emmanuel, God, is with us. And it's not from a place of standing here begging him to come and reveal himself. It's us being in the position of who we are called to be, disciples. Us in him, he in us. Is this making sense this morning? It's, it's one thing to beg God to do something. It's another thing to say, God, I'm joining in with what you're saying, and I'm going to watch it happen. One of them has a slave orphan mentality. The other one has a son mentality. One of them is thinking, oh, I just, I know something about God, but he's not really with me, and I don't know him that well, but if he would just come and do something here, then I would feel better. You will never hear us in this church pray things like that, by the way. If you hang around here long enough, you're never going to hear us pray for people who are sick and say, God, if it's your will, or God, we just, would you please just heal? We don't do that. I don't, we don't live from an orphan mentality. We know who we are. I, and this is not a bravado thing. I hope you're hearing me this morning. It's not a bravado, arrogant thing. It's just, I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. I'm still waking up to that reality. Sometimes I forget and I leave home, heaven, I leave home thinking that I'm on my own, but I'm never on my own. But we don't pray like that. We just say, be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed. Why? Because I'm, I'm in heaven pushing, if you would, the realities of the kingdom of heaven into the earth, not standing in the earth begging God to do something. I believe what God is looking for is this. What God is looking for is bold partners 
that will represent him on a planet that he made to manifest his glory. That's what he's looking for. Bold partners. How many want to be a bold partner? Yeah, that's what it takes. Remember, the only thing you're going to lose is the fear you have and the pride you have. That's all you're going to lose, and I think we can afford to lose it. Fear has never served me well. Pride has never served me well. I can't remember who said that, but I love the saying. Maybe I've turned a little bit. It said, why don't we treat fear like the friend who lies to us all the time? Just treat fear like the friend who always lies to you. Do you want to hang around with him? No, I don't think so. Jesus never taught, listen, Jesus never taught on what to do with unanswered prayer. It wasn't a part of his original design. That's good. Jesus never taught on what to do with unanswered prayer because it was never a part of his original design. God's heart from the beginning was to restore the original design and creation before the fall of Satan. Now, let me just put this in chronological order. We sometimes tend to think that somehow God created Adam and Eve and then somehow Satan falls after Adam and Eve. Satan fell before that. You can read Isaiah, you can read Job, you can find out all this stuff. But the chronological thing is what happened is God begins to create. And in God's creation process, before there's man, Satan decides he wants to be the worshiped one. And it says of him that he, I saw Satan fall from heaven with a third of the angelic realm and the stars in the sky. Now, I don't know fully what that means theological. theologically. All I know is there were certain realms, if you would, that fell with him. I think earth was one of them. Now listen for a minute. God says, I'm going to restore, even though Satan did that, I'm going to restore my original intention for mankind. And remember, all through creation, when we see it, God's original intention was not just to create, it was to create relationship. It was to create a relationship with man. I still, that boggles my mind to think about that. How the creator of the universe would stoop so low as to put himself inside of me. Blows my mind to think about that. It messes me up sometimes. If you really want to get messed up, if you really want to get jacked up in God, just meditate on that for a little while. Seriously, just sit there and start to think for a while. I have the creator of the universe living inside of me. Oh, and that is very real too. That's not some spiritual nebulous thing out there. That's a very real, true reality. Your life in Christ is just as real as his death in the grave. Hello? We were buried with him right? And raised to walk in a newness of life. Romans 6 tells us that. Your, your life in Christ is just as real as his death and burial in, in the grave and his resurrection. I'm, I, I don't know if that's making sense or not. I'm just saying there's a reality I don't know that we've accessed yet. I've heard Bill Johnson talk about this, and he says there's a ball and chain that keeps people from accessing the realities of the kingdom, and it's a belief in a life that no longer exists. How many want encounters with God? How many want to see the kingdom of heaven invade my space and invade the space around us? Well, we've got to stop believing that somehow I still have something wrong with me and I'm waiting on God to do something. He did it. It's God with us. Emmanuel, he's with us. John 17, he didn't leave it undone. It's absolutely finished. It's just we are spending the rest of our natural born lives waking up to the reality of what the gospel says. I don't know why I'm doing that, but that just feels good. <laughs> My wife thinks I'm dancing. I don't know. I, just, I do dance like that. It's weird. So here we are. So Satan falls. You see, here's the story. Satan falls. Adam and Eve come on the scene. God says, I want you. I want this relationship with you. I'm putting you in all of the earth that I have created. I'm putting you in this one specific spot called Eden, which, by the way, is also called pleasure, sometimes defined as voluptuous living. In other words, God didn't design you to live in poverty. He designed you to live in prosperity. He designed for them to live in Eden. And it was a defined space. Remember that? It was a defined space on the entire planet. And he says, I want you to multiply, be fruitful, and subdue the planet. He says subdue. That word subdue there is a military term. It means to expand and shift. So here we have this picture of Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are in it. He says, be fruitful, multiply. That means, you know, cultivate the ground. It means have babies, live life. 
And as you do, the, the concept is this, as you're doing that, that place called Eden is going to expand. The concept is the same with the people of Israel. I, I, I love pictures of God where he repeats himself over and over again because I, I, it helps me because I'm not that smart, number one, but number two, it helps me to see, yeah, that's, a, that's what God does. So he puts them in the garden. We all know what happens with the fall and all that. So we all know what happens after that. Here comes Jesus because there was a first man, Adam. There was a, a last man, Jesus, who restored all of it. Adam comes on the scene with Eve and he says, be fruitful, multiply, subdue. In other words, make the garden grow with whatever you're putting your hand to. And what did Adam do when he was told to, to subdue, multiply? He did what he saw his father doing. He was put in the garden and he was told to cultivate the garden. We think somehow in the natural that they cultivated a garden with some rakes and hoes. <laughs> right? I need to get my John Deere. Come on. Go plow the field. It's a work. It's a sweat mentality. In the original design of God, Adam only did what he saw his father doing. And he saw his father saying, uh, there's cows, there's trees, there's water. So what do you think Adam was doing? Come on. I want beans. I want, what was he doing? He was speaking just like his father did. He was doing exactly what his father did. You see what I'm saying? So here's the design. Now, we have it where they lost it. We have the picture of God showing up through Abraham, the entire Abrahamic story, the Abrahamic covenant, uh, Genesis 3.15. It's a wonderful thing. It actually is the establishment of what really God is wanting to do that we see in the natural. It's a unilateral covenant. It's God only doing the covenant. He makes his covenant. We have Abraham. We have Isaac. We have Jacob. We have the 12 tribes. They go into captivity. You've got Egypt. They get brought out of Egypt miraculously through a river of baptism. Then they get brought into this land called yeah, promised land. And it says, get this, I want to see the correlation now between Eden and promised land. When they go into the promised land, God says, I want you to subdue that. Now, you remember what happened when they came into the promised land? God didn't wipe out every single tribe and every problem that was there. Do you remember that? And he told them why. He said, if I wipe all those people out instead of you doing it, the beast will become, become too many and will overwhelm you. And why is that important? Because in this thing of Emmanuel, God with us, he's designed it in such a way that in order for the planet to be shifted, it requires us to co-labor with him. That's why it's called the co-mission. <laughs> he didn't give us a mission, he gave us a co-mission. To partner with him. All right, now I got you in the room here. Yeah. There, was a, there was a delivery system that God wanted to use to educate the entire world on the existence and the efficacy of Jesus Christ, and it's called humanity. He chose us to do it. Psalm 115, verse 16, says this, if you don't believe me. The heavens belong to our God. They are his alone. But he's given us the earth and put us in charge. Wow. Isn't that a great word? People say to me, well, I just don't know if God can trust me. I'm just not that great. Uh, he gave you the planet. <laughs> if you want to know how much God trusts you, he gave you the planet. That's a pretty big deal. I mean, we have a hard time giving the keys to our car to somebody. Yep. He gave us the planet. Okay, the, earth, the heavens belong to God, but the earth he gave to man. Why did he give it to man? Because he said, man, I'm giving you this because it's through. This is so strange. It, again, it boggles my mind that the fullness of the Godhead can only re be revealed through humanity. God, it just messes with me. Wait, a holy, perfect God who stands alone in his glory? You mean to tell me that he can only be perfectly revealed through humanity? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I don't know how you get away. You can read the Bible. I don't know how you escape it. That's all he wanted to do. How many times do we read through the Old Testament and we find individuals? Even the prophet's saying, I'm looking for one man. I'm looking for one man. I'm looking for one man. Just looking for one man. Now, obviously, the picture of the one man was not some superhuman that was going to show up on the scene. I mean, come on, Elijah? Pfft, dude was a beast. How do you beat that? All those crazy miracles. I mean, how do you beat that? The one man he was looking for was the person of Jesus, and he found him. He found someone in Philippians 2. He said he would humble himself. He would set aside his divine prerogative, not his divinity, but his divine prerogative. 
And he would say, I'll take on the form of man and I will subject myself to what man does. That's why he said he was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. Is this making sense? He brought down, he chose to be brought down to a level to where he would engage with God exactly the way you and I engage with God. Does this help at all? We have to understand the humanity of Jesus. If we don't understand the humanity of Jesus and just the divinity of Jesus, we, li- we leave ourselves in a position of, I can never live up to that. But the minute I know that he was human, I can look at it and go, okay, he found a way through this. He found a way through the inability to hear God in certain circumstances. He found a way to deal with depression. He found a way to deal with, with betrayal. He found a way to deal with all this stuff. Come on, I'm hoping this is helping you this morning. In other words, we're left without excuse. He gives me the planet? Come on. We know the story of Adam and Eve. Um, They're given authority, but they sin. First Adam falls. The first Adam falls. Um, There's a... When Adam fell, and this is important to, to know here, when Adam fell, it was him saying to Satan, take the kingdom that God has given me to advance and to subdue and to bring his whole person to the earth. I want you to take that now. That's what he did. Listen, church, whenever we say yes to Satan, we're abdicating our authority. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Through the work of Jesus in the cross, it says he disarmed the entire d- demonic realm, right? He disarmed the entire demonic realm. If I take away Andy's gun from him, I've disarmed him. Now, does he have power? No. He can scream and yell at me all he wants. But now I've got the power. See, this is how it works in the demonic realm. We have power. We have authority. Whenever we believe what Satan says, and in both accounts in the garden, it was all about lies, right? When we believe, we say, here are the keys. I'm giving you the keys. Now, I, I don't know about you, but this helps me to know this, that when Jesus came and he disarmed them and made a public spectacle of them, that the only thing that he is left with is what he's the originator of. What's the originator of? Lies. That's it. If he is disarmed, made a public spectacle, in other words, he was revealed for what he was, then all he's left with is what he has the original, he's the original creator of, which was lies himself. Jesus says, you are the father of lies. In other words, you were the one that bore that bore lies into humanity. It didn't come from God. And that's the only thing he has. That's all he has. So if he's disarmed, the only power he has is the lie. But when he speaks the lie, and I believe him, it's like, here, take my guns. Take, take my word. Hello? Take the power of my tongue. I, I just... I have the power to create with what I say, but when I believe the lie of Satan, what I say now creates his world, not God's world. Mm. I love it, though. You know the story. Jesus tricked the devil into killing him. (laughs) It's true. It's really true. Corinthians talks about that, the demonic realm, just not knowing what they were doing when they were crucifying Jesus. Jesus tricked them. Remember, he, it says, he, you don't take my life, I give my life. Right? So, so Satan had no ability to take the life of Jesus. It was Jesus saying, here, take it. But he did it in such a way that says, yeah, you're going to take my life, but watch what happens. <laughs> you are going to be so messed up. I love it. Jesus, it says, he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and then he comes back and he says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Now, let me give you keys. And let me give you a gun. Now go make disciples. In other words, what has God done? He has said, through the work of Jesus, now I hope you guys, t- I just gave you the whole Bible in like two minutes there, Okay. <laughs> All of that to set us up for this one thing. And then Jesus comes on the scene and says, when you pray, say, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Matthew 16, there's the, um, the story of Peter. And, you know, who do you say that I am? Well, who do they say that I am? Who do you say that I are? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then he turns around and says, you know, far be it from you that you go to the cross. But in that section in between, it says, Peter on this rock, 
I will build my church. And he says, and I give you the keys to the kingdom. And it's so unfortunate. A lot of passages translate that, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, right? It's really a very poor translation. It really accurately reads, whatever you bind on earth will already have been bound, and whatever you loose will already have been loosed. In other words, it's not us begging God to do something. It's us partnering with what he's already said he's done. I know that sounds very simple. I don't mean to make it simple. It's, well, it is simple. (laughs) It is simple. I'll put it this way. It's simple. It's not simplistic. It's simple. It's just simply a shift of what we're doing with how we think. It's not me saying, God, will you do this? It's God saying, I know that you did this. I know that you did this, God, and now all I'm doing is saying yes to it because all the promises of God in him are yes to the glory of God the Father and amen, right? It's us partnering with him, what he's already said. Oh, yeah. Turn to Matthew chapter 4 because you have to read the Bible to make it legal. (laughs) Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to look at two two passages here real quick. Um, Oh, Jesus, help me. Matthew chapter 4, it's Matthew the Jew. I mean, he's just his whole genealogy of the birth of Christ, all of it's beautiful. Luke, he's a Gentile, he takes it from a different approach. Just read them, I encourage you to read through them. They're different approaches, but they're both beautiful. Matthew, he's the Jew, he's writing this, and he gives the whole genealogy of Jesus. He breaks into John the Baptist in John John chapter 3, talks about what John was doing. John comes on the scene and he says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is hand, repent, repent. You guys know the story, right? Then at the end of his ministry, John's ministry, Jesus comes on the scene, picks it up at that same point, and starts preaching this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim his message with these words. Keep turning away from your sins and come back to God, for heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible. Come on, isn't that wonderful? He started preaching kingdom realm. Why was he saying that? He was saying that whole mentality, that whole construct of the way that you have lived is completely backwards. It's completely opposite. Turn from that. In other words, there's a shift in the way we think. The word there, metanoia, you guys have been here long enough. You know what it means. What does metanoia mean? Change your mind. Change your thinking. He's saying change the way you think. There's a shift in that, in the way you think, because the kingdom is at hand. How many of us still think, I don't want to see a show of hands here because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if we're being really truthful, how many of us still think that the kingdom is somewhere out there? I do it sometimes. Does that give you permission to be okay with saying that you do it sometimes? I do it sometimes. I find myself thinking that somehow God's over there, the kingdom's over there, and I need to get it to come when actually it's inside of me. I'm starting to discover that a little bit more. That if I'm feeling off and not connected to God, I don't need to go find him out there somewhere. I just need to look right here. Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember what I said last week. We look, it's so weird in our world system. We look in to find problems and out to find solutions. Oh, what's wrong with me? What's going on? There's something wrong with me on the inside. I need to get a book. (laughs) Come on, if we're being honest. When it says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, the problem's on the outside. The whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Remember, he's the liar. Kill, steal, destroy. That's what he wants. The problem's right there, and it has an effect on us. I don't need to look in to find the problem. I need to look in to find a solution. Christ in you. Wait, there's a a God living inside of me. It's that name above all names. It's that highest one. It's that exalted one. It's that one that Paul talks about in Colossians, that one who is the head of all principality and power. And he's inside me. Come on, this really flies in the face of the whole charismatic movement that keeps wanting to look for demonic realms. And this is a demonic thing. It hovers over the city and it's purple and it's got a fork and it looks down and it's on I-50 and it runs this way. It runs east-west through Orlando, this demonic thing. It runs east-west great you know who the principality is i know the head of that guy and he lives inside of me (laughs) so i don't care where he's on 50 i don't care if he's on i4 i don't care where he is i got this thing inside of me that's the head of all principality and power what are you gonna do about that (laughs) so i don't know how i got on that here we are sorry sorry Oh, Jesus, help me, help me, help me. Stay focused here. John is closing out the Old Testament. Jesus says, listen, you got to turn from all that mumbo-jumbo stuff. Get off the religious train that's headed to hell. Start getting on the one that's headed to heaven because it's right here. It's right here around you. It's right at hand. 
Hebrews 6 talks about it a little bit. Um, later on, he says, Hebrews written a little bit later, it says this, repent, re do we need to keep, repent, keep teaching repentance from dead works towards God? And I like that statement because there's a from and a toward. And there's got to be in true repentance, there's always a movement from one thing towards another thing. Hello. Yeah. Repentance from sin, if you just cease to sin, is not repentance. Right. It has to move from something towards another thing. Yeah. From one towards another, hence the turn aspect of it. That's why we preach it. And you've heard me say that before. Repentance doesn't mean turn from sin, but it is a fruit of turning from sin. You'll see it in your life. You're, if there's a real change of mind, you'll think differently. And if you think differently, you will behave differently. In other words, it's not merely an intellectual thing. You don't grasp it intellectually. Oh, wow, that's a good idea. God, I think that's a good idea. I'll start doing that. It's more than just an intellectual grasp. And it's certainly more than willpower. Certainly more than willpower. How many in here, if you're being honest, would say this? I keep asking you questions this morning, don't I? How many in here, if you're honest, would say, I have tried in my own willpower to turn from sin a lot. And then I go, whoop, back at it again. <sighs> Such a waste of skin and breathing somebody else's good hair. All those things start to set in. I'm just not worth it. I'm not valued. Yeah, well, that's because you're doing it in your own strength. And anything you do in your own strength is called self-righteous. That was free. <laughs> In other words, repentance is more than just saying sorry so that the conscience is eased. It's a profound internal conviction of a changed heart and mind. Amen. We know we are accessing the kingdom realm when we pray, and there's an internal burning conviction that the prayer that I'm praying has already been answered. That, last night, we're bunch of the OSSM students, we're down at Light Up the Holidays, and I mean thousands and thousands of people down there. Started at five, we ended at nine. We didn't end at nine, we went past nine. Four hours straight of prophesying. Four hours. I don't know how many people came through that little tent we had there. We had two tables set up, and Diane was out there being the air traffic controller. <laughs> with a line that was lined up, because we have signs that are set up. Are we ready to be offended? The signs say free spiritual readings. We have these signs set up, free spiritual readings, and people are like, what about, what up, what up with that right there? <laughs> Diane's out there not only directing traffic, but she's interpreting dreams and prophesying them as they're asking the questions. She's priming the pump. They get to the tables last night, and I don't know what was on, but this group of students was on fire. <laughs> it was nuts, man. People sitting down, I don't know how many people sat at our table there. I mean, Crystal, you're sitting. How many people sat there and were said, I'm going to start crying? I'm just going to start crying. I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, that's normal. It's like you just put your hand on them and say, it's okay. Everybody does that. That's all right. Well, why are they crying? Well, they're encountering God. I don't, know why, I don't know why it does that. I encounter God. I cry too. I don't know what that is about it. The human body, it just can't handle presence or something. So it's like, woo! You know, it just starts crying. <laughs> why are you crying? Oh, I don't know. I'm just going to cry. I'm going to cry. <laughs> oh. Matthew 4 verse 23 says this Jesus ministered from place to place throughout all of the province of Galilee he taught in the synagogues preaching the hope of the kingdom realm realm did I just say realm <laughs> there my Texas just came out just a little bit right there It must be Holy Spirit because I lose control when he comes on sometimes. I just don't, it's not entirely accurate, but you get what I'm saying. Those little things of like, I watch my language. I don't want to, y'all. <laughs> Preaching the hope of the kingdom realm. <laughs> I need to be careful here. You're not going to hear what I'm saying. And healing every kind of sickness and disease among the people. Come on. Every kind. Every single kind. Yeah. Come on, say every kind. Every kind. Every kind. <laughs> healing <laughs> healing a few. <laughs> healing healing occasionally. <laughs> I feel really good right now. There's something on this whole healing thing. <laughs> Woo. 
Oh, y'all. Is verse 24 up there? Read it. His fame spread everywhere. Many people who were in pain and... <laughs> Every kind of illness were brought to Jesus for their healing. Epileptics, paralytics. <laughs> Those tor <laughs> Why is that funny? Those tormented by demonic powers were all... Were all... <laughs> were all set free. How many of them were set free? Wow. And those tormented by demonic powers were all set free. I just read that. That was so good. Let's read it again. And all those tormented by demonic powers were all set free. You know what I hear in that when I read that? That even if you've allowed it to come in by your own permission, you can still say to Jesus, hey, I need a little help here. And he's like, yeah, that thing's got to go. That thing's got to go. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> who was brought to Jesus was healed. Oh, yeah, this is a table. <laughs> okay. What am I, what am I ultimately getting at here? Listen, church. God with us. God with us. I am making no sense right now, am I? God with us. I've got to focus here. God with us is fully manifested in the prayer that he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because, because he doesn't tell us to pray those things just in hopes that things will happen. He tells us to pray those things because he's in us and he knows that when we see it from that perspective that whatever comes out of our mouth is partnering with God it ends up doing what God does, which is create worlds with his words. How many need healing in, whoo, how many need healing in their body? Right now, how many need healing in their body? You point to yourself? You point to him. That was just weird. You back there too? Okay. I don't even know what to do with this. I don't want to. I want to be careful here. I don't want to fall into normal stuff. There's a. There's a. Hmm. Yeah, you need to. You need to pray for yourself. Right here in this moment, you need to pray for yourself. So whatever pain is going on in your body, put your hand on it. Put your hand on it. And with this new mindset that I was telling you about that you're going to leave here and you're going to transform your life because you're thinking different, with that mindset right now of, wait a minute, I'm not begging God, I'm declaring, I'm simply stepping into what he's given me authority to subdue. Put your hand on your body and just say, be healed. <laughs> be healed. Because everybody who comes to Jesus gets healed. And you can't get any closer to him than you are right now. So <laughs> you're pretty dang close of coming to him. Okay. Remember in Matthew 28, you can just stay there. You can keep praying for yourself. I'm just going to keep talking here. Matthew 28, Jesus heals a blind man. I think he was sick and blind. I, th I think he was both. I think the dude was like really wrecked. He heals him. And then all the religious leaders are coming to him and saying, well, he does that by Satan. Satan did that. And you know the story. You know, house divided is not going to stand. Oh, and by the way, if you think I'm casting out demons by Satan, how do you cast them out? <laughs> but if I cast out de demons, <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> if I, 
if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then that means God has come upon, upon you. And what is he saying right there? He's saying, guys, I'm trying to open up a whole new way. If you guys will just pay attention here just for one minute and get out of your religious mumbo jumbo, I'm trying to show you that I came as a man and I'm simply doing what God says. And if I'm casting out demons by my word, then that means God has come among you and therefore this whole repentance thing I keep calling you to has some validity to it. You gotta start thinking a little different. Not just thinking different as to what you wanna think. Start thinking different as to what I'm showing to you right here. If the kingdom of God has, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, the hand of God, then that means the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, look at the situation itself and say, I have to, I've demanded to see this different. I'm required to see this different. Oh. Yeah, Jesus. Emotional stuff. Depression. Fear. Um, uh, relational breaks. Um, all that stuff right now. All that stuff right now. You put your hand on your own heart. And say, just say, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, as you're doing that, I'm seeing something happen. It's not coming from the outside. It's being raised up from the inside. You're waking up the true new man that Paul talks about. There's a new man. Your new man. You're waking up the new man, that one that kind of goes to sleep a lot. He's got narcolepsy. He just falls asleep and we forget, and then the old man wants to start living again. It's that new man, that new life that God has brought inside of you, lives inside of you. If that res same resurrection spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, It'll quicken your mortal bodies. There's healing inside of it. There's a soul healing inside of it. Mm. I'm seeing even, man, I just go back and forth here. There's also still internal physical healing happening in somebody's belly. It's, it's happening right now. There's a, whatever it is, digestive tract. Something in the digestive tract right now is getting healed right now as you're doing that. It is so simple. It's so easy. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. That's so good. That's so good. Kidney disorders? Yeah, you can grab that one. Kidney disorders right now getting healed. Yeah. Come on, don't you love this? See, this is the new thing right here. This is the new thing. I didn't know what it looked like. It looks like this right here. It looks like you praying over yourself not coming to a minister for prayer because you have the ultimate minister inside of you. You're saying your kingdom come and your will be done. Yeah, I see a heart valve. Working properly now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody, you've hurt your lower back, like really low back. It's actually kind of down in your pelvic area. There's some, something that's been broken, something that's dislodged or out of alignment right there. I see it really low in the hips. I see that thing getting fixed right now. Come on, if that's you, just say yes to it, agree to it, and just say, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God with me. I'm not going to go through the Christmas season looking at it as just some warm, fuzzy thing and then drink some eggnog. It's God with me. <laughs> it's God with me. It's not on a Christmas card. It's in my heart. Emmanuel. God with us. Mm -hmm. um, something in the brain, um, and it's not a physical ailment. It's a it's like a synapsis thing. It's a, it's a psychological thing in the brain. That's God's lining it up. But man, it's like a lightning bolt is hitting it. It's like supercharging your mind to be able to think different. It's, and I think it, I think it's connected to anxiety. Now you. We, we are pro-doctor here. Don't misunderstand me, but there's something about this. I think check with your doctor on your medication on this thing. If that's you and you're taking medication for some kind of anxiety, right now just say, your kingdom come and your will be done. And watch it shift. 
talk to your doctor about it, but I think you're going to find a profound shift in that. Yeah, something else. You guys okay with this? Something else with um, some some woman in your reproductive system not functioning properly. I see God actually putting his hand on it. I mean, if that doesn't fix it, I don't think anything will. God's putting his hand on it. It's like you got the creator right there touching the very thing he created. Man, right now I, I can taste the real bitterness in my mouth. And I, I think that has to do with unforgiveness. I think there's a, um, a bitterness that kind of just undergirds. If this is for you, just hold on to it. It's not about embarrassment. It's certainly not about shame. It's about healing. Remember, we're not defined by our trauma, but our healer. It's... There's a bitterness. I taste it in my mouth, like a bitterness that just, ugh, it's a infecting the way you communicate. It's infecting the way you let things come out of your mouth, and it's a bitterness, and it's rooted in unforgiveness, and I just really see this Jesus showing a new way. That forgiveness is not about letting them off the hook. It's about letting you off the hook. that's you just say lord let your kingdom come let your will be done god with me emmanuel god with me hmm. yeah jesus come on real transformation real transformation is like a flip everything just got flipped around and now real transformation happens because of this one thing it's god with us and I can pray and say, your kingdom come and your will be done. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.